On Racing HQ, Sky and Racenet's Richard Callender with the latest on racing. Time to chat uh, racing with Richard Callender. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Mate, how are you travelling? Because I know on Friday when we spoke last week, even on the coverage, mate, uh, you've been crook and uh, you've been fighting. You've been fighting it. Oh, mate, just got the. You know, just can't get rid of that sore throat. But I went. Uh, I've been down at obviously you saw social media. I've been down at Alura Surf Club this morning, just teaching a few of the locals uh, how to body surf and uh, a little bit of. Uh, uh, I, I must admit, I'm usually a board short uh, man, but uh, this morning at Alura, it's more of a budgie smuggler. And uh, let me tell you, the big boy doesn't come up real good in the budgie smuggler. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell me about, before we get into some racing, I mean, I've got to get this vision. I'm surprised it hasn't popped out on social media yet, but um, Marlow on Friday with the golf, what, yeah, what's look, doing? Well, just for everyone's uh, benefit, so every all the Friday nights, we've still got four nights to come, the four Fridays in February, we do the, the charity challenge um, sponsored by the agency, Matt Hood and the team, we're donating 10000 to charity at the end. And it's powered by the great friends at Drummond Golf. So what we do is it's just we register ball speed and distance. And if you have any resemblance of any talent whatsoever, you hit the ball from the tee into the net. I don't know how you can miss, but Marlowe's found a way of missing the net over top of the crowd and onto the track. I just don't know how you could do it if you've got any ability. At least Luke Marlowe's owned up and he's now got his uh, golf clubs. You can see them on... Uh, Online right now at Green Tree, whatever they call it now. Uh, you can see it online there. Marlowe's Golf Club is for sale. Mate, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, as I said, the bloke prides himself on golf, so I'm going to try and, and the, get that vision out on social media later on for those that haven't the, seen it. And the funny thing is, Dave, the first thing he said to me, mate, can you do me a favour? I said, what's that? He said, don't show it on the broadcast. I said, mate, no problems. As soon as we had a chance, we put it on there. That's gold. Appar- apparently, he played it on Saturday morning on his own show. So I, I, I give him kudos there. But Well, it- what you do is that, that's the oldest trick in the book. You laugh at yourself first. 100%. Uh, and then you, then you hope it dies down rather than allowing others just to play with it. But we had the mug punter, the great man out there. Um, he missed it three uh, times. Yeah, it, it, he hit seven foot behind the ball. I don't know how the ball moved, but... Uh, no, look, it's a bit of fun at the moment. We had a new leader too, Peter Downs, the assistant boss of racing at the Australian Turf Club. 261k an hour of ball speed and, and Timmy Clark. He's equal with Will Freeman in the ball carrier, 258. But due to Tim Clark weighing 54 and Will Freeman slightly heavier, we've put Tim Clark in front on a count back. So four meetings to go. I've been in touch with the boys at Drum and Gold. So hopefully... We might have the big simulator out there Perfect. for the last four Friday nights, which would be massive. It's been a really exciting Kia yeah. night racing series. It has, and they've had good crowds there. Speaking of Mug Punter, he'd be tucking into his yogurt, fresh berries and granola this morning, the mug. He loves it. Yeah, he's, he loves it. You know, he, he's, If anyone's on social media, you want to follow the Mug Punter. Look, I've known the Mug since he was a little boy. Uh, the Mug's mum, beautiful lady, worked at the STC, I reckon, for a good 30 years. So uh, he's grown up around racetrack. Now... Uh, one of your colleagues, Matty Williams from RaceNet, of course, your column will be out later on. He put up a, um, a bit of a yarn about uh, some of the big impacts of the Australian racing industry in the future and talks about TV deals, competition size, the financial state, uh, some of the issues ahead. Um, he says a national crackdown on wagering operators uh, will flow through the grassroots level of the sport. Uh, also talks about you know the, the forecast of years ahead. What do you think of some of the 
the big issues facing the game over the next five to ten years? Well, it, it, the big thing is always facing racing. Um, as I said, uh, uh, a jockey pulling a horse up, a trainer giving a horse something, they're never going to stop an industry. The biggest thing for racing going forward is horse welfare. And I'd say in um, thoroughbred racing in Australia are at the forefront of that. If there's one issue that's probably not the best is we don't sell it well enough. You know, you've got to be able to sell the message. And I think, I think the next 12 months, racing needs to come together to sell the message and let people understand. Like, um, you saw what's happened in the Kosciuszko um, with, with the Brumbies up there. Now, that, that's been cruelty to animals, yet the, the RSPCA seems to sit back, smoke the big cigar and say, that's okay. Probably because they don't get headlines for that and they want to get headlines out of racing. So I think racing needs to sell that message. But the biggest thing in racing, I think we've got to come, there's a few things. Obviously, we've got to make it more attractive for punters if we're going to continue uh, the wagering levels we've got, but also attract the next audience through. Um, we've got to make owning racehorses cheaper. Uh, it's The costs have got out of control. It's certainly not the trainer's fault. Um, the trainers do everything they can, but I, I just think the cost of everything in life has got too dear, and it's becoming the ownership. Like in the old days, Horses were owned by one person, two at the most. Now we've got a lot of syndications involved. But if we keep going on the levels we're going with the rising of costs, it might start to turn the wheel the other way. So I think we've really got to address that. and We've just got to look at ways of maximising the dollar return to the sport. Exactly right. We had a good little discussion yesterday on um, Punners Postmortem about track bias. Obviously, Flemington played a certain way. It appeared on Saturday, and obviously, you know, it can happen. And I, I spoke with Navesh Ramdani a couple of Mondays ago on Monday's Experts about track bias, and he said, look, mate, um, there's so many factors that can come into it, but I can't sort of, you know, no one can sort of stand and explain why. And I sort of posed to the, the boys, I'll get your opinion here, should we... Maybe not as an industry, or should we get, you know, there's obviously a lot of universities and scientific people around the place. Should we have more analysis of it because, um, you know, we're trying to attract those people to the sport? And I don't know anyone in the game, you might know, but I don't know anyone in the game that can actually, after a meeting, say, oh, yep, Flemington was biased because of A, B, C, D. We sort of, we sort of don't know. And if, you know, we're trying to attract young men and women to have a bet on our sport and we sort of can't explain why things are happening uh, from a consumer oh, point oh, of view. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I totally agree. And I, I think, uh, look, track bias has existed since the bloke, you know, but since those two people were fighting over apples. Um, what were their names? Adam and Eve. So it's been around a long time, track bias. Two blokes. <laughs> I said two people. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he, he was apparently a girl. Um <laughs> Well, sorry, nowadays, I'm not sure. So, them, they. Um, look, there's been around a long time track bias, so it's just a matter of adapting to it. We're an outdoor sport. We're governed by the, the weather, the climate. It's going to be around, there's no doubt about that, but there's plenty of research that have gone into it. There's going to be never any definitive answers, but the the amount of ground we've, we've done now with the development of grass and tracks... Um, it's certainly exciting, and it's only going to get better, the racing services. But in relation to, to track bias, I'm not sure if we can ever ever really nail that down. I think the one thing we've got to try and do is educate the younger uh, punters coming through about odds. See, at the moment, uh, a lot of young people coming through, the reason they bet on sport is because 
you either choose from Harry or Barry. One mm. wins, one loses. So if they think, well, that's not too hard, I've only got to choose one of them and I get to collect. Maybe they're not price sensitive in that guy. What we're going to try and educate the next punters is if you're betting on horses, we're betting at a market that's probably less than that. You've got a better chance of winning. You've got a better chance of your money surviving longer if you bet on, you know, on thoroughbred racing or whether it be the dogs or the trots. So I think that's something as an industry we're going to kind of... We, look, we're a wonderful sport. We've got so many exciting things that happen, but we just don't sell the message well enough. What about uh, some of the performances of the weekend, mate? Anything catch your eye at the races or Friday night to, at to Canterbury? Oh, look, it was great to see Ange Davies' uh, horse win on Saturday. Our um, yeah. Our Kobe son, uh, about getting the right run. It was super outstanding. Look, I thought I, I, I write in my column this afternoon on RaceNet that um, the, the track manager at Canterbury and Rose Hill should take a bow. Both tracks played outstanding. For the amount of rain we had early in the week on Wednesday night, um, to have two perfect services on Friday and Saturday, I thought was just great. And a, and a great accolade for both uh, our track managers and the track staff at Canterbury and Rose Hill. So uh, Canterbury, uh, I really, I started to, you look at Canterbury, you look back over time, you think it's like Mooney Valley and Canterbury. Some jockeys ride those tracks so much better than others. And I think Tommy Berry, who's on riding one in Queenie today, because the owner and Johnny Hawks asked him to, but the good thing is Tommy doesn't have to drive down. Luke yeah. Marlowe's driving him down to... Uh, uh, to Queen Mary today and driving Tommy, his kids and his wife, which is terrific. Um, <laughs> I think Tommy rides Canterbury. As, I, I, rec- I thought Darren Beeman was the best rider at Canterbury. I think Tommy Berry's riding Canterbury. You, there's, there's an Gee, art a, to when you get That's a massive rap. That's a massive yeah, rap. Yeah. Well, you know, I was only thinking the other day, I, I've seen a lot of people saying that Darren, um, that Damon Oliver's the greatest of all time. And look, that's only opinion. Like if you ask me the greatest of all time is I say Darren Beeman by a good margin. Um, and I'd have Damien in my, in my top five. Statistics don't tell you the true story and everything, you know. Um, whoever, whoever, you can read statistics whatever way you want, uh, and they become the greatest. So uh, I think Darren Beeman's the best jockey I've ever seen, but then Damien's a great jockey. Right. Jimmy Cassidy. Who, who is Bowman, your, who's your top Damon. five? Oh, well, I, I, I got Beeman one. He, he clearly sits at number one. Yep. I, I, look, I... I I'll have Beeman at one, and then I have a, then I have a cluster. I've got Oliver, of course, no doubt about that. I think Damian Lane's a superstar. Bowman, McDonald, Jeff Lloyd. I love Jeff Lloyd as a jockey. Thought he was a star. We only saw Zach in Australia as a younger jockey. Yes, he's riding in Hong Kong. Um, other people might disagree with me. I think the standard of riding in Hong Kong is probably a level below what Australia is. Um, but Zach's a great rider. So you, you can't knock Zachy. Um, Ryan Moore would probably be number two. He'd probably be the second best jockey I've seen behind uh, Darren Beeman. So, yeah, I think we're blessed in Australia with how many great jockeys we've had. But it's only a matter of opinion. Luke, who's the best horse you've seen? A lot of people, some people say Vane Burmer. I'm a little bit younger. I say Winks is the best. My old man says Winks. He's been around a while. So it, things like that are just a matter of an opinion. It's going to be a big day at Warwick Farm on Friday for Australia Day. They've got the Australia Day Cup, and we're going to chat with Brett Devine later, mate. I hope a lot of people get out and enjoy the day uh, on the 26th of January, and obviously we've got good racing on Saturday as well with the Carrington and some nice horses returning on Saturday. Yeah, well, it, we get excited. You only need to look at the barrier trials, which we're blessed in New South Wales. Pardon me, sorry. They have the um, the major barrier trials, all the metropolitan provincial trials broadcast live on Sky. So 
Well, we're starting to see the big names step back out. We're starting to see the big dogs um, back in town. So it's going to be exciting from this Saturday, uh, Friday, Saturday, all the way through, really until the end of April. So, yeah, you can't wait. If you don't get excited during the autumn and the spring, you're not a racing fan. But I love betting during the middle of winter too. They pay you with the same money. There's no special money because you're back the big winner in, in the in the autumn. 100%. Doesn't matter where they are either too, mate. Doesn't matter if they're... Oh, a... In Sydney 100%. or Dubbo trots on a Friday night doesn't what about matter. That? Well done. What about that? When you tipped it on Friday, that Dubbo trot tip, it was what four dollars four sixty. It started started two seventy. I know it got out. You paid three twenty to tote, but it was an exhibition, wasn't it? Mate, Too good, you straight to the front, couple of early sections, and then away they went. So. It's, being in front is like at the dogs and the trots. It's a huge advantage. <laughs> isn't it what? Isn't it what? So uh, look forward to look forward to more of that. Hopefully coming through on Friday, mate. Get yourself better, mate. Get some. Uh, we've got a couple of texts here on the text line. Tell Richie uh, to get a chicken soup, the chicken noodle soup, mate. Tell him I've, I've had a, I've had uh, seven liters of chicken. It's just a cough, Dave. I can't get rid of. Can't I don't get rid know. of. It's, uh, I've, I've got nothing else wrong with me. Don't worry, it's not COVID. I've done seventy-three tests. It keeps going. It keeps coming back, saying, "Mate, you're not. You're not positive. Just let it go." Oh, so, no, it's just me, it's just me throat. I don't. I haven't got anything else. Just me, uh, me throat. So. Well, get better, mate. Get better, and we might talk to you later in the week. All right. See you, Dave. Have a great day, everybody. Cheers, mate. There's Richard Callender this morning. You can catch his column later on Race Net. We're going to get to David Payne next.